1993, there was a study that was done on how many words people speak in a given day. And I'm sure this has been studied before. Somebody had probably thought of this way before 1993. But this was the first study of its kind that got my attention. And it's interesting what they found. 1993, this study said that women speak about 20,000 words a day. Men speak about 7,000 words a day. And just kind of let that sink in a little bit. I didn't make this up. I mean, I'm just reporting what, the, what it said. But um, later, there were some other studies done because that one kicked up a lot of stuff, as you can imagine. And so other people decided to study this. And, and you get different reports. Another report I read that was done a few, later, a few years later was um, women speak more like 16,000 words a day, and men speak somewhere 14 to 15,000 words a day. Okay, so there's some discrepancy there. Most studies will say that women speak a little bit more than, than men do as far as words, but here's the takeaway, all right? We speak a lot of words. We speak a lot of words during a given day. And both men and both women can be on the more quiet side, depending on personality, or they can be quite chatty. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I, I find it um, interesting, chatty people. They always find me on a plane, and I don't do a lot of flying, but never fails. I get sit beside somebody that just, just they have a lot to say, and the fact that they don't know me means nothing to them. And so they go right past all the signals, the headphones, the hat, the, you know, the blanket I'm holding up between the two of us, and they'll just go right at it. And I've gotten to a point now before I get on the plane, I start looking in the, you know, in the line. And they're going through, checking in, you know, scanning. I'm just kind of, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who am I going to get stuck with kind of thing? And you see the people that are just, they're just talking it up to everybody. And I'm like, no, 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 please don't. I want that guy over there that's got his head buried in a book. And he's got work to do. And, and I probably won't get to sit beside him because he's usually in first class and I'm in the back. So yeah, I get these chatty people. Isn't it interesting that chatty people don't know they're chatty people? They have no idea that they talk a lot. And the rest of us, we know. And interesting, even though we all speak thousands and thousands and thousands of words a day, we all have a limit, don't we? When we're like, yeah, I, I've just, I'm done. I, I just don't feel like I can talk anymore. And maybe some of you are going, I don't think I've ever felt that. Well, we know, we know. <laughs> but there's a lot of us that we have a limit. When my girls were little, uh, I remember Donna getting to the point where she began to teach the girls, especially on Sunday afternoons, where I've just talked, 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 and I, I don't, I don't, I'm usually not a very chatty person, but obviously I do a lot of talking on Sundays. Or maybe at the end of Monday, when I've got all these meetings on Monday at the beginning of the week, she would say to our girls, girls, your dad's just used up all his words. And that, he's just gone to grunting, like, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, that's all I got left. And... <laughs> Yeah, I remember this one time, that, this was years back, when on Sunday afternoon, we used to do lunch with people, used to being the important word in this phrase, uh, used to do lunch with people. You know, you remember back in the old days when people used to let other people in their homes before the pandemic, and you would actually eat other people's food 
Remember those? I don't know if you remember back that far, but that was a long time ago. This was during that time, and here at the church, we hadn't gone multi-site yet, and it was during that uh, like two-year span of time when we were doing five services every weekend just at this location, and I was speaking twice on Saturday night and three times on Sunday morning. And so we went to somebody's house for, for lunch, and these sweet people, precious people, they're still in our church, and I hope they don't remember this, but I remember it. I fell asleep at lunch. Not only was my wife having to carry the conversation, she had to carry me. I mean, I was just, and so we just decided, and she helped me decide, and she made this decision and helped me come to it. We're done. We don't do that anymore. So we don't do lunch with people after I've used my words up because I got nothing to say. Your personality has a lot to do with this. But regardless, we speak a lot of words. What's more significant than how many words we speak is how we choose to use the words we speak. And if you think about it, tens of thousands of words a day come pouring out of our mouths. There's a lot of opportunity there to pay attention to not just how much we are saying, but actually what we are saying and how we are saying it. Words are important. Words matter. Words help us communicate to each other so that we are known and understood by other people and so that we can hear and know them and understand them as well. But the challenge is words are so stinking common. We just open our mouth and they just pour out. Words are so common. We just talk, yak, 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 yak. We say stuff so much that we miss how powerful they are. Whether you speak 7,000 a day, 10,000, 15, 16, 20 plus, regardless, you speak a lot of words. And they all have much more power than you could possibly imagine. And that, my friends, is why we've decided to do a series called The Power of Words. Because you need to wrestle with this reality, just how powerful they are. They're more powerful than you know. They're more powerful than you and I are probably comfortable admitting. Now, the good news is they can be powerful on the positive side and they can be encouraging and helpful, but all too often, and it's way too common that words are powerful on the negative side. I mean, I don't think I've ever met anyone whose problem in life is that they were too encouraged. And I'm not talking about the thing, you know, the Little League thing where all the kids get a trophy, whether they are good or not, whether they win or not. You know, last paid kids, let's get them a participation trophy. I don't like that stuff either. Except for your kid. But anyway, I, I, right, that doesn't help. That's not helpful. The sentiment is nice. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when it comes to our words. Most of us have suffered far more from the word bombs that have detonated in our lives, then we have benefited from the positive words that have been spoken into our lives. Much more common that we struggle with the negative than we, you know, get to enjoy the positive. So in this series, we're going to talk more about the word bombs, the power of the negative, more than we will spend our time on the power of the positive, even though both very true. Our words have so much influence. This is going to be quite possibly one of the most convicting and challenging series we've done in a very long time. And I know this 
because in preparation for it, I'm going, man, oh man, do I need this. Oh man, I have been wrestling with this one personally as well. I mean, the, the wheels on my wagon are wobbling. I'm like, I got all I can handle here. And so I know, I know, I know that we need this together. And I hope that it's not just convicting and it's not just challenging, but it's also empowering for us to make better choices with the power of our words. What I find true about me and you is that because we speak so many words a day, we can very quickly become careless with the words we speak, right? We just say stuff. We, we just say stuff without thinking about what we're saying. We say stuff because we get triggered. We actually have that phrase, triggered, right? And we're not talking about a, a gun or a firearm. We are talking about how we get triggered, just a saying, but we all know what that means. We get triggered by circumstance and we just start talking. We just start saying stuff. We get triggered by feelings and we just start talking and we say stuff or we get, the trigger gets hit by something else somebody else says. And then we just go off and we just open our mouths and stuff starts pouring out, right? Because we're triggered. And we get very careless with how we use our words. We get to a point where we have a complete disregard for the meaning of what we're saying. We're just talking. We're just talking. The scriptures actually warn us when we talk a lot and we will suffer the consequences of all the words we say. And so we open our mouths and it just pours out with a disregard for the meaning of the words and the effect that it has on other people and ourselves. But here's the truth. Those thousands and thousands of words you say, even though it's just a word here, just a word there, just a word there, those words, though they are tiny, they are mighty, much more powerful than you could possibly imagine. In the first century, Jesus's brother, James, who was the first leader of the first church in the first century, wrote what many theologians and scholars believe to be the first book, the first part of the New Testament. Now, when you look at the New Testament, it begins with Matthew and then Mark and then Luke and then John. And towards the end of the New Testament is James's letter, the book of James. And even though it's towards the end, from a chronological standpoint, many believe, and the, and the evidence is pretty convincing, that that letter of James was the first one, the first one to that first group of Christians in the first century at the first church, written by the first leader of that church, who happens to be the brother of Jesus. How appropriate that he would be the first one up, writing a letter to those first Christians. And I bring all of that up, and I know that's a lot of firsts, because when it's the first, you go, hmm, I wonder what's in this. This is interesting. What's first up? What do they deal with? You know, what's the first guy that's gonna write to these first group of Christians after the resurrection of Jesus, you know, a couple of, a few, a few decades after Jesus rose from the dead? You know, what's he gonna talk about? And especially he's the brother of Jesus. I mean, he's got some inside scoop on some stuff. What's he gonna talk about? Oh, if you've never read the book of James, it's a small book. You ought to read the whole thing from beginning to end. It's It's fascinating. He, right off the bat, he starts talking about trials, difficulties, problems, interesting. The very first thing they talk about in the very first book in the first century to the first group of Christians is crap you gotta go through in life. That's significant. We'll actually come back to that in the new year in a series we're planning there. But then he goes on after he talks about problems and he talks about faith and works. And then in chapter three, he does this whole section that we're getting ready to dive into 
on the power of words. So it makes the first book. Words are so powerful. He does an entire, not just one verse, not just two verses, but a whole section on trying to get people to understand. Pay attention to the words you say because the words you say, the words that come out of your mouth are so powerful. This is what James, brother of Jesus, writes in the first century. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Okay, you get that. You don't have to be a cowboy, cowgirl, know anything about rodeoing or in, in any of that kind of stuff to understand what he's talking about, right? The bridle is a little bit, and the bit in the horse's mouth is very small in comparison to the size of the horse. But that small bit, well, you pull this way, you pull this way, and you, you, you're in business, right? We know that. He, another analogy he uses, a small rudder. Makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds are strong. Big ship. On the bottom of the ship, there's this thing, this small piece of metal that's called a rudder. And while it's small, it may be large, you know, to you and me, but it's small in comparison to the size of the ship. It only takes this small thing to turn and, and, and go this way or this way, and the whole ship begins to turn. We understand that. Now he goes further with his analogy. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing. I mean, even if you got a big mouth, tongue is very small in comparison to your mouth and to the rest of your body. I mean, I mean even Gene Simmons. I mean, it's just kind of, and if you don't know who Gene Simmons is, just forget about it. It's a small thing that makes grand speeches. And then he introduces a, a word picture here. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Now, where's he going with this? It just takes a spark. You know this. I know this. We know this. I mean, it makes me think of Smokey the Bear, right? When I was a kid, only you can prevent forest fires. Like me? Me? I, I took that personally and I felt very pressured for the fires in the world because he told me that I was the one. Only you. Anyway, that's personal. Tiny spark. And then he takes this analogy of fire and he goes further. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue, is a flame of fire, not just a spark. Now, it only takes a spark. Your whole force goes up in flames. He said the tongue is actually a flame, and it is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. Now, watch this next part. <laughs> it can set your whole life on fire. What can? Your tongue. For it is set on fire by hell itself. How's that for some words? How's that? For a word picture. How's that for emphasis? Could ruin your whole life. Is he talking about what you do? No. He's talking about just what you say. Words that come out of your mouth can, can set your whole life on fire and not just your life, but words that we say to other people can detonate explosions in their lives that completely set them on fire. In fact, there are many things in your life still smoldering and burning because of things that were said to you years and years and years and years and years ago, if we're honest. And if we're really honest, there are things in other people's lives that are still burning because of things we said to them years and years and years and years ago. Small thing, the tongue. Words, just tiny things, but they're so mighty, they're so powerful. Can ruin your entire life. They can set your whole life on fire. 
he goes on with the analogy a little bit further. He says, people can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. Means you got to watch the tongue. You got to watch it. You got to watch, you know, isn't it interesting that phrase? Watch what you say, watch what you say, which we can't do. You can't see words. We only hear them, right? And you can't really like watch. You can't even see your tongue, right? You can't. And so we know what he means, though. We know what we mean when we say, watch what you say. That's basically what he's getting at here. He said, you can't tame the tongue. You got to constantly keep your eye on it. Constantly watch it. It cannot be tamed. You cannot trust it. It is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. Mm, Boy, these are hard words to hear, right? And then this final part to me is so convicting. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, our tongues, our words. And then sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of our Father, of our God. He said, so at the same time, you've got praises and blessing and cursing pouring out of the same mouth. And he says, surely, brothers and sisters, it shouldn't be this way. Surely, this is not right. Blessings and cursings, good stuff and bad stuff, and it's all up in there. And we open and we are so careless and we just say stuff without realizing just how powerful our words are. At this point, you're probably thinking some things like, um, oh, man, I am so glad my wife is here. I ain't going to look at her, though. But Jesus, if you could speak to my wife, because she let me have it this morning, and it wasn't my fault. She, oh, she nags the crap out of me. And some of you wives, you're thinking, oh, Lord Jesus, please speak to my hard-headed husband. Parents are thinking, oh, 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 I hope my kids are listening. Get off your phone, get off your phone. Listen to this, listen to this. And you're thinking about your neighbor. Some of you are like, oh, I knew I should have invited them. I knew, right? You're thinking about other people. But here, here's the deal. I'm gonna challenge you to look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Think about you. Instead of thinking about others. We'll get to them. We'll get to everybody else and what they've said to you. We'll start getting to that kind of stuff next week. But just think about for the next few minutes, the power of your words because James, the brother of Jesus, gave us this picture. It's like this. Now you know full well what I decide to do with this determines a lot. Holding a lot of power in between my fingers right now. You know this. And this could be very good, depending on where I put it, or very damaging, depending on where I put it. It's an image that we know very well. And James wants us to think about it. even though there's a draft. <laughs> he didn't account for that. We'll see if we can get one. Yeah, that one's not going to work either. I should have an assistant here. That's, you're the match assistant. Sometimes our words 
<laughs> Mama didn't raise no fool. This is new. Not only does it not have gas in it, it's never had gas in it, so there's no fumes. However, I wonder how we would all benefit from paying this close attention to the words we speak. Why don't we have that kind of reaction to the, <gasps> we just say stuff and we don't realize. This is what James was getting at. No, they didn't have gasoline back then, but had they had gasoline back then, I bet it might have made the cut. We know what happens when this goes here. It's an uncontrollable amount of destruction. On the other hand, we have the opportunity to take this. And do something very beautiful, meaningful, and purposeful with it. Now, some of you are very confused right now. You're going, what's that? <laughs> this here's what they call an oil lamp. And if you, they're hard to find. If, if you, can, you need some in your house, by the way. When you run out of batteries, and I thought you bought batteries. and I, No, this right here will help you when the lights go out. It provides light. And if you give it just a few minutes... It puts off a good amount of heat. You will not want to touch that globe. I mean, it's nice and warm. I mean, old school, but does the job. And it's beautiful, too. I mean, your words, my words, our words can be helpful or harmful. And we get to decide. In fact, King Solomon in the Old Testament, in all of his wisdom, he said it like this. The tongue has the power of life and death, life and death. Your tongue has that kind of power. Or you say, oh, no one listens to me. Oh, no, they listen to you. Oh, no one cares what I think. No one cares what I say. Oh, no, they care. Your tongue, sir, ma'am. Hey, dad, mom. Hey, brother, big brother, big sister. Hey, 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 friend, boss, employer, employee. Coworker, teacher, coach, your tongue has the power of life and death. In the message translation, it takes the same passage and translates like this. We're talking about graphic. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit, and you get to choose. You have to choose. Thousands and thousands of words pour out of our mouths every day. And you and I have, we must, we get to choose. How are we going to use them? Is it going to be a positive thing? Or will there be explosive and detonate destruction in the lives of those around us? Even those we say we love. Because see, they can kill. And we know it. You know it. Words can tear down and be harsh and destroy and be explosive. Words can drain the life from a marriage and drain the life from friendships and drain the life from relationships. 
Words, on the other hand, can be life-giving and nourishing and helpful and build good things. Words can be a gift. Words can be a curse. I guess a way that I would like to say it today and for the rest of the series is I want to give you three words, three small words put together to make a phrase, a sentence that I want to introduce to you today. And we're going to talk about this for this whole series. In fact, I'm going to say this so much, you're probably going to get tired of hearing it. And about the time you get tired of hearing it, it's probably about the time it's really beginning to sink in for you and me. This is what I believe Jesus, his brother James, is helping us understand. The words create worlds. Words create worlds. This is what King Solomon was getting at. Words create worlds. Either good ones or bad ones. Healthy ones or harsh ones. Words create worlds. What's fascinating to me is that literally with his words, God created the universe. He created the worlds. And so not on the same level as God's words, because we're not God, but we still have the power to create worlds. Words create environments that people live in, that you live in and that the people you love live in and that the people you're around live in. Words create feelings and thoughts Words create realities that other people live in and that you live in. And they can be healthy and life-giving or so unhealthy that words can explode and destroy and tear down and make the environment and the world in which you live almost uninhabitable. Words create worlds. And you get to choose, and I get to choose, and we must choose. Words have a mysterious capacity to bring into reality and understanding what's going on inside of us. And Jesus even said that. Jesus said it's out of the heart, out of the mind, out of the soul, out of, out of the inside of us that our words come out, that our mouth speaks. And I know this is true. You know this is true. In fact, I have been on the receiving end and you've been on the receiving end of killing words and life-giving words, haven't you? I know I have. But if we look in the mirror and we're honest, we've also been responsible for, hopefully, life-giving words, but unfortunately, killing words. Words that take life, drain life, create uninhabitable places for the people we say we love. Words create worlds. Uh, recently I was reading and came across something that Erwin McManus, who is a pastor on the West Coast uh, uh, in California, he's an author, teacher, artist, and, and he wrote this and I thought this was fascinating. He said, we're not just part of God's created order where things are determined for us kind of thing. We are actually part of God's creative order where we get to create things and decide things and make things and build things that were not there before. It's a fascinating reality. And it, it, it's kind of what it means to be made. It's part of what it means 
to be made in the image of God. We're all created in the image of God. And what that basically means is that God has intellect, emotion, and will. So when God created human beings, he created human beings with intellect, emotion, and will. Now, our intellect and emotion and will do not operate at the same level of God's. We're not him. We get that, or most of us get that. We all need to get that. But we're still creating the image of God. And another thing this means is that God is creative. We're creative. God builds things. We build things. And we, with our words, can build or tear down and decide futures. And build and tear down and decide the direction of lives and marriages and homes and friendships and relationships. Yeah, words create worlds. I've been quoting Eugene Peterson a lot. I learned a lot from this guy who's with the Lord now. He said, words get under our skin and shape us. We actually say that, don't we? We say, boy, when he said that, that just got under my skin. Or when she talked like that, that gets under my skin. So we're, we're tracking with them. They get under our skin and they shape us. And they make us from the inside out. Words create worlds. I I want you to take a second and I want you to think about how words have created the worlds that you live in. I want you to take a moment, look in the mirror and think about the words that have been spoken to you in your life and that are being spoken to you currently. The words that have been spoken around you and over you in your life. And I want you to take note and this could be painful to be very, very humbling to consider the words, the world that has been created for you to live in with the words that have been spoken to you, around you, and over you. I mean, immediately, if you're like me, I go back to my childhood and I start playing stuff back. I'm like, wow. I didn't think it was a big deal then. I mean, I knew it wasn't good. But boy, now looking back, that just kind of set my whole life ablaze in this area of my life. And I'm still smoldering because of gifts. And I'm still burning because of this. And I'm still trying to put that flame out because of what he said and what they said or what they didn't choose to say. Maybe you think about your home or your school and classroom environments, things that have been spoken to you at school, on the ball field by a coach, by a professor, by somebody at work, maybe a boss or a coworker. Those words have helped make you who you are, like it or not. Good, bad, or indifferent, they've helped make who you are, and they're still making you. Words create worlds. They still shape us. And here's what you need to remember. You have the same effect on other people. Words create worlds. They're never, those thousands and thousands and thousands of words that come out of your mouth every day, they're never just words. Never just words. You're never just blowing off steam. You're never just venting. You're never just getting something off your chest. Are you, are you saying I can't vent? No, but you gotta understand how you vent creates a world. How you blow off steam creates a world. Nobody gets a pass. Nobody gets a pass. Even when we say, you know what? You can say anything you want here and it doesn't matter. You can say anything you want. Oh, that's so naive. I get the sentiment behind it and that's a kind sentiment. What we're trying to say is this is a safe place and you can be honest and you can talk and we all need that. But even then, words never stop creating worlds. 
They're never just words, ever. They are active and alive. They're never harmless. They're never impotent. They have great power. And we get to decide. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Could not be more untrue. It's not the, it's, it's not the way it is, and you know it. You live it. You've experienced it. So at the beginning of this series, I'm going to leave you with two questions. When I get them both up on the screen, take a picture of them, sit with them, wrestle with them, simmer with them, because they will get us started in the right direction in this series. First question, what kind of world are you creating with your words now, currently, in your marriage, in your home, at work, with your friends, in the classroom, on the ball field? You, you just pick, wherever. What kind of wor worlds are you currently creating? Because you're creating them. Whether you like it or not, admit it or not, want to take responsibility for it or not, you need to step up to reality. And the second question. I like this question better because it gives me hope. What kind of world do you want to create? Because you get to decide. You get to choose. What kind of world do you want to create? Maybe, maybe you've created some bad stuff. Maybe you have created some very unhealthy worlds in the past and you've said some very explosive and damaging things and maybe you've set a lot of things ablaze that are still burning and smoldering in your life and the lives of other people. And no, you cannot go back and undo. No, you cannot go back and unsay what has been said, but what you can do is start again and start new and start now creating a better world with the words you use. A more God, Christ honoring world, a more honoring world to those you love and those who love you. You get to choose. What kind of world do you wanna create? Have hope. You get to decide, you get to choose, you get to have a say in what you say and how you say it. So let's choose and let's pray. Our Father, we need your help on this one. Our words are never just words. James makes that so clear, how powerful they are. Solomon creates, just draws a line in the sand. It's life or death. It's fruit or poison. And we have to choose. Father, all of us have been the recipients of, and we know very well, explosive words, damaging words, and hopefully uplifting words. And may we realize the very same thing comes out of our mouths. Help us to take responsibility for the worlds that we're creating with the words that we choose to say and how we choose to say them. So Father, this is something that is going to be uncomfortable for us. But we look to you through the power of your spirit to empower us because we can do this. We can do this with your help. 
We can honor you and honor those around us with the words we say, and we can still be honest, and we can still deal with reality, and we can still tell the truth, and we can still deal with what needs to be dealt with and and do it in such a way where our words are life-giving, not life-draining. Help me. Help us. As we understand that our words create worlds, may we choose. In Jesus' name, amen.